It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, Hoops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Friday, May 25th. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. Ooh, that last play was a doozy. A lot of talking heads really minded Steph Curry throwing the ball up to Draymond Green because Draymond Green is not like the person who should be taking the shot or whatever. There was time on the clock. Draymond is making decisions at a very, very fast rate. And, you know, he kind of got ahead of himself a little bit, but I don't really mind Steph passing the ball up to Draymond. If they were going to get a quick two, they could have forced overtime, and then who knows what would have happened if they got a three. Obviously, they win the game, but you don't want Draymond taking that three. But you trust that he'll make the right decision with the ball in his hands. And he kind of had an open lane to the basket. If he doesn't get ahead of himself and let the ball slip through his fingers as he starts running, that might have been an easy two. We're going to get into all that and more. Two segments on the Warriors, one segment on the Eastern Conference Finals. You can find this podcast on iTunes, iOS, Spotify, Google Play, LockedOnWarriors.com, and LockedOnSports.com, as well as on Facebook at LockedOnDubs and LockedOnNBANet. You can get in touch with me via Twitter at LockedOnDubs or at Kojitare, K-O-G-I-T-A-R-E. That's my personal account. You can find my written work at Forbes.com and check out all my credentials on LinkedIn, A-L-I-K-O Carter. So I'm watching this game last night and I just don't get the feeling ever that the Warriors are going to win the game. Even when they're up, the offense is so forced that you just want to you wanna say what happened to this team that played Jogo Benito, the beautiful game. They're not playing the beautiful game anymore. The Warriors rolled nine deep in this one, didn't get much from their bench. Sean Livingston, Jordan Bell, David West, and Quinn Cook provided a total of four points in a combined 52 and a half minutes. That's about three points per 36 minutes, which is just not going to cut it in the Western Conference Finals. The four All-Stars, the four starters, all played more than 40 minutes with Klay Thompson leading the way at 42 and a half. He showed up 4 of 7 from 323 points, 4 rebounds. And Draymond showed up too. 12 points, 15 boards, only 4 assists, 6 assists for Stephen Curry, and 18 assists on the night. Jalen Rose brought up a really interesting point when the Warriors hit 25 assists. They're extremely good. When they hit 24 or below, they're much worse. Their winning percentage falls. And I can't remember exactly what the percentages were before and after, but it was kind of staggering. The Warriors have to move the ball. They have to assist the ball. They have to get the defense on its toes 
if they're going to get easy shots. These shots were not easy. Somehow they still managed to shoot 44% from the field and 38.5% from three, which is really not bad. They turned the ball over 18 total times, including two shot clock violations, and gave up 18 points on those turnovers. The Houston Rockets only turned the ball over 12 times, giving up 10 points. If they don't, tur- if they cut down the turnovers by like six, by like five, they win the game by four, maybe even. You know, you get a shot up and you're playing with house money. If you don't get a shot up, Houston can run their offense. They can get out in transition. There were a few moments, one where the inbounding player tried to get the ball to Kevin Durant at the top of the key. Bad pass. James Harden intercepts it, goes right to the rim. Nothing KD can do about it. There were a lot of moments like that where you just really felt that the Warriors weren't locked in. Only 12 fast break points. You got to force the ball out of the Houston Rockets' hands and get out in transition. You got to swing the ball from side to side, up and down, run through screens, play your sets. We know the Warriors' set pieces are some of the most beautiful and effective in the league, and it just doesn't make sense to me that they've gone so far away from what made them so successful in the season, in particular springing Stephen Curry open. There just wasn't enough Steph in this game. Somehow, he managed to take 17 shots, but it didn't feel like he took 17 shots. 22 points on 17 shots, also no bueno. Still can't find the touch from three, only two of eight, but was much better around the rim at six of nine. Also had seven rebounds, six assists, a great all-around game, four steals. But he has to, the three-pointer has to be a weapon. I don't know how we're getting so far without talking about the fact that Stephen Curry's three-pointer, not just the threat of it, but him actually making three-pointers, is a huge weapon for the Golden State Warriors. It's very simple. Stephen Curry is the best shooter on the planet, and he's not making shots right now. So what do you have to do to get Stephen Curry making shots? Do whatever you have to do. Steve Kerr as a coach, the other players as teammates, they need to help spring Steph open so that that weapon can be a reality for the Warriors. Kevin Durant, 29 points on 22 shots, 3 of 6 from 3, only 4 rebounds. And Draymond, ah, the cat is catting. If y'all don't know, that's Campanita Miles' cat. She's adorable, but sometimes she makes noise, which is also a little adorable. But Draymond Green, six turnovers for Draymond Green, including the final turnover of the game for the Warriors. Obviously, Draymond was everywhere, doing everything, But he was a minus nine in 41 and a half minutes and the Warriors only lost by four. So that tells you that the turnovers were a big deal. But he was all over the place. Five deflections, three loose balls recovered, seven contested two-point shots, 12 total contested shots, and 15 box outs, which is eight more than anyone else on the team. But those turnovers were killer. Live ball turnovers. No bueno. 
We'll take a quick break and come back on the other side. Continue talking dubs. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from CDWNHP. At CDW, we get that an unsecured laptop can put your company's data at risk, making you a little paranoid. I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. CDW can implement a secure mobility solution using the HP EliteBook with Intel 8th generation processors and SureView privacy to protect your screen from prying eyes. Did you follow me here? IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash HP security. What was that? All right, so we're talking Draymond Green and his hustle stats, which are astounding, but he was still uh, minus 11.1 in the net rating, according to NBA.com, even though he rebounded 35% of available caroms off the rim on the defensive end. He turned the ball over on 29 possessions, 29% of the possessions he used, which is too many. But he was still, I would say, the Warriors' best player on this night. I don't think the Warriors have a great chance of winning when Draymond is their best player. Obviously, uh, 22 from Stephen Curry, 29 from Kevin Durant, and 23 from Klay Thompson. You got everybody up in the 20s. Draymond got a double-double, but you never really felt that Steph was incredibly impactful, partly because those three-pointers didn't fall. Kevin Durant was 8 of 22. And Klay Thompson was the only person who shot well, but he only shot 14 times. He was shooting a 73% true shooting. More shots for Klay. I haven't said that in a while, but definitely more shots for Klay. Everything seemed so difficult. Everything was hard offensively. I thought defensively they played a good game. Held the Rockets to 37% shooting and 30% shooting from three, but the Rockets went to the line 32 times. That's another difference in the game, the turnovers and the fouling. The Rockets going 27 of 32, including 9 of 9 from James Harden. Another difference in the game is Chris Paul, who wasn't good, 6 of 19 from the field, made two ridiculous three-pointers, one with Steph in his grill and another with Kavon Looney looming over him. He also had seven rebounds, six assists, and three steals. So an all-around game for Chris Paul, but did not shoot the ball well. James Harden clunked 11 three-pointers. He was 0 of 11. You think the Warriors win when James Harden goes 0 of 11 from three. That's not going to happen very often especially because some of them were wide open. The Rockets in this game went seven deep with Eric Gordon and Gerald Green coming off the bench. Clint Capella played only 26 and a half minutes, yet again, fewer than his regular season total. But he was effective in those minutes, 14 rebounds, 12 points, three offensive, two big blocks, 
one on a Draymond drive to the basket and one on a Kevin Durant drive to the basket. He got KD going up. That doesn't happen very often at all. And it ignited the Houston Rockets crowd as well. Houston was alive. I thought the crowd was great and really representing the city of Houston well. The Rockets were only 13 of 43 from three-point range. Once again, that's 30%. And they only got up six more shots than the Warriors, 78 to 72, and made fewer shots than the Warriors, 29 to 32. But the Warriors were not able to turn the ball, to to not turn the ball over. And the three-pointers, the Warriors made 10, and the Rockets made 13, you know, 13 of 43, That's uh, an insane number of three-pointers, an insane percentage, considering the Warriors shot 38.5%. But the three-pointer is worth one more point than the two-pointer. And, you know, that's three extra points that the Rockets were able to garner just from the three-point line. And so I'm going through this game and I'm thinking, how did the Warriors lose? All of the ways in which the Warriors lost. You had Chris Paul making those ridiculous shots. You had the turnovers. You had the lack of assisting the ball. You had Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant not having great games despite scoring over 20 points each. You had the lack of getting out and scoring in transition, getting easy points. You had the bench scoring only four points. And you still only lose by four points. The Warriors lost by four. It was close down the stretch. They had it at 92-91 with plenty of time left they had it right there on the last play of the game if Draymond doesn't flub it up but a win is a win the Rockets are up 3-2 on the Warriors and hopefully this one goes seven the Warriors have shown they can win in Houston and the guys they're bringing off the bench aside from Quinn Cook and Jordan Bell are veteran guys Uh, there was a lot made of David West not being able to keep up with the guards on the perimeter. I thought he did all right. James Harden beat basically everyone who tried to guard him to the cup at least once. Like I said, just 5 of 21 for the game. But he shot 9 free throws, so either he was getting to the cup and he did make 5 shots around the rim, or he was getting fouled and getting some easy points at the line. Either way, you got to try to do a better job of guarding James Harden. Everyone, because there's going to be that switching action. They're going to target Stephen Curry. They're going to target Kevon Looney. And so they all have to move their feet. The help has to be there, and the rotations have to be crisp just in case James finds an open three-point shooter. Can't be that open. I thought the Warriors contested a ton of shots in this game. And like I said, they were good defensively. It's really hard to stay in front of James Harden. It just, that's that's the reality of life. So the fouls are a little disappointing, but for the most part, the Warriors' defensive output was sound. Offense is a completely different story. The Warriors have gotten away from who they are. They've gotten away from what made them great. What's been their calling card for the past four years, Jogo Benito. The beautiful game. If they can reconjure that on Saturday, they'll have a much better chance of forcing a game seven in Houston. Quick break, we'll be back to talk about the Celtics and the Cavaliers. 
Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. Making you old-fashioned today with Wild Turkey Bourbon 101. It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the old-fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. We're back and we're talking Celtics and Cavaliers. And one thing I didn't mention in yesterday's pod, and it's odd because this happened to the Warriors as well. The Warriors outshot the Houston Rockets in Game 5. The Cavaliers outshot the Boston Celtics in Game 4. But once again, turnovers were an issue. You can outshoot somebody, but if you give them the ball, they're going to score more points than you. The turnover disparity in Celtics versus Cavs Game 5 was 15-10 to in favor of Boston. And they scored 15 points off those turnovers as well. They also had 18 fast break points to only two for Cleveland, who likes to get out and run. So you definitely got to give credit to the Boston defense for curtailing the attack of the Cleveland Cavaliers, for curtailing the attack of LeBron James, who played 39 minutes, 16 seconds, only scored 26 points. When you say only, I mean the man routinely goes out in the playoffs and scores 45 10 rebounds, 5 assists, but 6 turnovers for LBJ. And once again for the Celtics, the scoring was spread around. Jason Tatum in 40 minutes, 41 minutes nearly, 24.7 rebounds, 4 assists. Only 2 turnovers, 2 turnovers for Al Horford, 2 for Jalen Brown. And a few more sprinkled around, but Al Horford with 15 points, a much better output from him. Only nine shots. Again, I thought that Al Horford should be taking more shots with Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier not shooting the ball well. Jalen Brown somehow managed to get 17 points despite shooting 4 of 15 from the field. Maybe it was the free throws. And Terry Rozier, 3 of 15, 5 of 13 for Marcus Morris. Not great games, though Marcus Smart had 13 points on 5 of 9 shooting. But they put five players in double figures as opposed to only two for the Cleveland Cavaliers who just can't get their supporting cast to play well on the road in Boston. They obviously have won some road games. They won the first two games in Toronto. They won Uh, at least one game, as I recall, in Indiana, with that series going seven. And I just don't understand why Boston gives them such fits. Uh, Boston is a loud place. It's a really loud place. They get hype. But it's not like they don't get hype in Toronto or Indiana. You know, I, I, I don't understand what specifically about Boston is the role players of the Cavs' Achilles heel. But the Boston Celtics are playing like veterans, and maybe it's just that they play so much better at home, but you know, you still look at them and you say they didn't actually play that well. They didn't shoot that well. Their defense was good. Their defense was very good, uh, but they didn't shoot that well at all. 
a lot of forced shots, but ultimately able to get the 13-point win, going up big early in the first quarter and then solidifying it by holding the Cleveland Cavaliers to 18 points in the third. But they couldn't muster more than 23 points in any quarter except the first, though Cleveland didn't muster more than 23 points in any quarter. The offense was completely bottled up, bogged down. I'd like to see maybe some more minutes for Rodney Hood, who hasn't really gotten his chance in the playoffs to show what he's capable of. He's been disappointed by that. There have been some news coming out of the Cavaliers that he's a little disgruntled about his lack of playing time over the last few weeks. But, he, you know, he just hadn't been playing well. But what is that a product of exactly? Because we know Rodney Hood can score the ball. He's long. He can play defense. And he might be able to ride offense. He was two of three in three minutes at the end of this game, a little bit of garbage time in this game. And one of two from three, he was firing away. He was like, let me show you what I can do. I mean, Jordan Clarkson got 15 minutes. Didn't play incredibly well. Didn't impact the game. I think if you're Ty Lue, you might put Rodney Hood out there. Give him those 15 minutes and see what he can do. Especially because the Cavs will be at home tonight. Hopefully you can expect all the role players to play better. And even Kevin Love, an all-star this year, was just 6 of 13 for 14 points. Didn't go to the line once. And only 7 rebounds. This is a guy who averaged 26 and 13 in his final year in Minnesota. We know what he's capable of. So just inexplicable to me that the supporting cast around LeBron James continues to shit the bed in Boston. These are veterans, you know, playing against rookies, sophomores, third years, and Al Horford, of course, who glues everything together in such an important way. But I'll be honest, I don't want to see the Boston Celtics in the finals. It's Boston versus Houston. I mean, I would hate watch that finals. I would hate watch it because I wouldn't want either team to win. And because it would just be hard to watch. I'd probably be rooting for the Celtics, honestly. But the Celtics don't need another title. They've got 17. The Warriors have five. Houston has two. Cleveland has one. No more titles for the Celtics. How about that? They have plenty. But yeah, Houston versus Boston, I would absolutely hate watch that series. Some people in my circle have even gone as far to say they wouldn't watch the finals if it was Houston versus Boston. I think that's a little too far. I think whoever gets to the finals deserves to be there, let's be honest. And I certainly wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't pay attention to what was going on. But I still believe that the Warriors are going to win this series. Obviously, it's going to have to take seven games now. And I still believe LeBron is the best player on the planet. And, uh, you know, his supporting cast is going to have to step up. But I think that, you know, coming down to a game seven, even in even in Boston with the ball in LeBron's hands, you know, I got to give it to him because he hasn't proven me wrong in eight years that's about as much time as we have for today enjoy the basketball tonight and the warriors game on saturday i'll catch you monday hopefully we'll be talking about a game seven stay thoughtful hoops heads
San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.